Now is the best time to try Audible Plus because with our holiday offer, you're getting our best offer of the year. Only $4.95 a month on your first six months. After your first six months, it's still only $7.95 a month to download and stream thousands of all-you-can-listen audiobooks, originals, and podcasts included in the Audible Plus plan. You'll get full access to thousands of titles across different formats, and you can download or stream without limit. And you can listen offline, anytime, anywhere. Visit audible.com slash new year or text new year to 500-500. What a Arsenal travel to Vienna and pick up a win that, much like a sausage, you don't want to see how it was made. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's a good one, right? Like, you've heard the expression. You don't want to see how the sausage is made? We went to Vienna, Vienna sausage. We got a win. It was kind of ugly. You don't want to see how it was made, but we got a win. Come on, people. I do this for you, for your entertainment. And are you not entertained? I can hear you screaming. No, we're not. Get on with the podcast. Pause on Twitter. Pause my pants. Hello, pause. Woo-hoo. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. We will tell you how to shave your privates later. I'm not kidding. We're going to do that because it's important. And for God's sake, go do Just, you know what, Paul? It's a pandemic. And in a pandemic, you got to self-love, self-care. Take care of yourself. I went 10 days without showering. My wife was not pleased about it. But you know what? I'm on the Manscaped program now. I'm getting myself clean. It's improving my life. It's improving my relationship. It's a gift to yourself. It's a gift to your partner. What more could you ask for in these trying times? Uh, I'm but so enough. glad my, my mom has started listening to his podcast. <laughs> Five, did I even introduce you yet? What am I doing? I don't even know if I did. I introduce, did I introduce you? Did I introduce both of you? Mm. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. I, I'm a pro. What can I'm I say? I'm allowed to speak. You're allowed to speak. Good. Good. You've been brought into the fold. Uh, yeah, so anyway, enough about that. You'll hear about that later. And I, I desperately, desperately wish that you will uh, pay careful attention to it. Because it may be more interesting and more entertaining than... Our 2-1 win in Vienna? I don't know. Lots to pick out from it. Let's do this. Clive, before we get on to the stuff that we bogged down in, let's have a little fun. Let's talk Thomas Party. I, I, it's our first real chance to look at him. And, you know, all caveats about the level of competition in place and then thrown away. And Paul can give us his craptron when it's his turn. Um, he looks the nuts. He looks the balls. The, the clean, shorn balls, you might say. He looks... He looks the bee's knees. He he played some line-breaking passes on the ground through the middle. We haven't seen that since, I don't know, Santi Cazorla was roaming the midfield. Um, so while there's plenty of stuff that, that we can have a moan about and will have a moan about, I think this is something we should celebrate. Celebrate Thomas Party with me. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting dynamo, really. Um, I, it's a player and a style of player that I tend to like more. We all, we all have our biases, right? I tend to like this player more. I, I, you've heard me say a million times, I'm a son of Vieira, and basically I don't think our midfield's been the same since he came out. You know, we, we had a short period with Cazorla and Coquelin for me, which I really liked, and that's been it. The, uh, you know, the Fabregas here was quite nice, with, with Gilberto, Gilberto around him, but that's been it for me. You know, so... Um, so when party when I started looking at party from the first time we saw him play against us in the semi-final of the Europa League, I thought well he's quite nice. So I did my YouTube bit and I, and I, I thought yeah it would be nice to get him one day, you know. And then you watch him and you watch him and you watch him and you watch him and you think. And we watched him on video, didn't we? And, and I kept looking at him. I'll be honest with you, I was underselling how excited I really was 
and you guys know me well and you knew I was pretty excited. I honestly believe that if he came into the league and played how I was expecting him to play, he would easily be the best central midfielder of his type in the Premier League. I can say that now after one game. I couldn't say it after zero games. And because I, I'm a big believer in players suit teams when they are, when they arrive, certain players just suit that group. And I quoted Ross Barkley at Aston Villa. Ross Barkley at Chelsea versus Ross Barkley at Aston Villa is a completely different animal. Great example. Thomas Partey at Atletico had everything. I couldn't see anything he couldn't do, but he'd be allowed to do even more at Arsenal. Perfect for us. And I think we saw in one game what he gave us, what he gave other players, what he can do. There isn't much he can't do in that space. And I always felt he was beyond the statistics. You know, I do believe in the intangibles. I do believe in the physical and emotional side of football, the feeling side of football. That's why we're all talking and listening about the game right now. So to me, I thought you belong above the spreadsheet. And I'm so pleased after game one. <laughs> We'd seen it before, though, it's the bias against Burnley. After game one, I think he's perfect for us. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, and look, the funny thing is I don't think you necessarily have to see beyond the statistics to like him because there are statistics that if you look at them, and especially if you eliminate last season, which was a down season for him, and there may be some peripheral issues for why that was the case, that that are there to like. The carries, the dribbles, the you know the, the interceptions. Um, not to mention... The intangible part that I'd agree about is certainly just the presence of that big frame in midfield and what, you know what that can mean. I think um, we saw him do some things that our midfielders haven't done in terms of those passes right up the middle. You know, there was one where he played this beautiful line breaking pass right through the middle of the pitch on the ground into Lacazette, which Lacazette promptly shit the bed with, which I'm sure will be part of our discussion today. Um, but. You know, the way he shields the ball, the way he, he makes his decisions quickly. I mean, I will say he does some of the stuff our midfielders do, going back to the defender first time, you know, maybe not always turning. But when he wants to turn, the ability to do it quicker on the half turn, look up. You know, Paul, I know one thing that you've been a big fan of about him is the way he's always scanning. Um, you know, Cesc Fabregas, if you watch Cesc Fabregas, it looks like he's a bobblehead. He, like he's on a, his head just swivels, constantly scanning. And I think it's one of the things that made him special is he could receive it on the half turn and he could play every pass, sure, but he already knew where everybody was when he did it. And and I know that the scanning thing is something you picked up on party. So um, maybe you can help us by running this game through the Crapatron and then and then uh, adding a little more praise for our, our new uh, midfield Colossus. Yeah, I mean, definitely Rapid Vienna scores low on the Crapatron. On the other hand, they were very up for it and we weren't quite at the races for this game and I think that did not make us look particularly good it made us look worse than the sum of our of our parts on the pitch and um, you know we came for a game and they came to stick it to us they were very aggressive um, and it took us easily a half to warm up to what this game was all about we just we looked bang average but Tom, Thomas Partey even what I liked about him was even when everybody else looked slightly below mediocre first in the first half, he just stood out as a player. He was doing stuff. It didn't change our game for us enough, unfortunately. But uh, I mean, he was quality. He was winning balls. He's a one man screen that allows other players to get forward. I mean, there was concern over his previous season at Atletico that his physical powers may be beginning to go. And I think, you saw on this pitch here, I mean, 
it, it's only one game, but you if you see that that guy just seemed to be absolutely uh, at full. You know, if you had a one of those bars on a video game at the top, he's at a hundred percent. I mean, that guy is so primed to play. You mentioned the scanning. Um, maybe he just does it more visibly than other players, but that scanning, waiting, he doesn't have the ball yet. He's waiting to get the pass. He's looking to his other side. He's looking for his options. Um, you know, there was concerns that at, at, at Letigo, he was a bit side to side in his passing, but I think it's pretty clear his instructions were to to lay it off to Saul, Saul Niguez, to Koke, to other players, to Griezmann. Um, and let them do the clever stuff. This guy, there's there's so much so much. I think evidence <clears throat> when you go looking for it. I blew our Y Scout account for a month, budget wise, watching him when I was supposed to, supposed to be watching Awar. But in some ways, this guy was like a lot of fun. Uh, he take he's he's got a very quick release. Uh, he's actually a risk reward guy. He pings it up the middle. Uh, I think we saw that quite a bit in this game. He's quite an adventurous passer, and they don't all come off, but that's fine. That's that's why you have a midfield screen. Um, I thought he was very exciting, and I'm very excited about him. I think I think he's going to be the tits. You missed that one out earlier. He's going to be the tits. Yeah, I, I was excessively focused on the other part of the body due to uh, yeah. uh, promotional reasons. But, yeah, yeah. I mean... Somewhere between this means everything and this means nothing, there's what this means in the context of who we played. Um, yeah. I mean, do you sure. have a do you have a sense of that? Is there is there a Crapatron situation here? Well, everybody else looked mediocre against Rapid Vienna. I mean, yeah, say what you point. like about them not not being great. They were intense, and especially for the first uh, until they got their goal, I think they really pushed. Uh, so they may not have been high quality. They were a bit dangerous in front of our goal with a little help. Uh, but they made everybody else was a bit below the water. Thomas Party was the best player on the pitch, even when they were intense. He's just, if he goes for a ball, you know, 90% he's coming away with it. He was just, he's he's a very dominant player. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Well, let, let's do this. I mean, there's plenty more to come from Thomas Party. I don't think we need to go overboard on mm-hmm. him right now just because, first of all, I do think in the context of the competition, um, sure. there's a lot more to learn about this player, but certainly the the initial influence is, is a good one. And my hope is obviously that by getting these minutes under his belt, he's ready to start the weekend. We may have no Ceballos. Um you know, and as good as Elneny was, and I thought he was reasonably good, we know who that player is. Yeah. I don't want to see Shaq Elneny against Leicester. I want to see... I want to see Thomas party um, and maybe to be party on any who knows, because by and large, I thought they both did reasonably well under the circumstances. Clyde, before we get to the negatives, because you know, I think it's easy to get bogged down in them. This was a win. And you know, we, we had some ropey moments at the back due to Leno and we'll maybe come on to that. But in general, the ball flowed through the back line quite a lot. David Louise didn't always look comfortable. He's gosh, he's a player who on his day can still look, in, really imperious, but I I think those days are getting fewer and further between. But the man who knits it all together, the man who makes this work, is Gabriel. What a buy this guy was. I mean, reasonably priced, the perfect age, physically. You couldn't ask for a better uh, physical profile for a central defender, but he, he seems to have it all. And I'm not going to say he's perfect because he isn't. 
But the more I watch him, the less I think this is a fluke or a hot start. I mean, I remember Rob Holding got off to a hot start. Arsene Wenger had the famous, I'm sorry he didn't cost $50 million. And to be fair to Rob Holding, he's actually not, not a bad player. I mean, it's taken him a while, and you know he, he's coming back from big injury. But, but Gabriel just, maybe I'm falling for the physical profile part of it, but he looks legit. Um, another game that I thought he impressed. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, my worry is he's, he's almost too good, right? Because um, can you pick a team without him at the moment? He's not a rotation option anymore. To be he? fair, we just don't have any good defenders. So yeah. I, you know, I mean, we we were praying for a healthy Shkodran Mustafi when the season started. That that's where yeah. we live right now. <laughs> yeah, and his role will come very very shortly, no doubt. Probably next week. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean, again. I have a leaning for, you know, looking around. I said it before, you turn, I suppose, centre midfield. When I turn around, I want my centre half to be bigger and faster than me. Simple as that. I want them to discourage people from running into their spaces. Very, very simple. Football's very, very simple. Guys, when you see something, when you see something that's right, you don't need to analyse it. It's just obvious. We saw a centre midfielder that was right yesterday. So we debated him before he arrived. But what we really debated was how we feel about football what our priorities are, what our emphasis are, how we've been brought up. You guys are a little bit, you know, you, know, you are definitely a bit younger than me, so you, you brought up with the, the twisty, turny, Santi Gazzola type. So you had a leaning towards our eyes, age profile, etc. I think you've what made me younger than I am, but I do appreciate you doing it, so I'm not going to push back too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, I mean, that, and that's fine. That's how you see the game. That's your priority of the game. That's, that's what you felt we needed more. And and, and that, that's an open question. That's a debate, right? And I think, you know, I was not one for slow-footed, 5'11", centre-backs. It wasn't. That's just not, that's not how I see it, right? So, um. This guy comes in, looks right, right size, right agility, right speed, loves one-on-ones, can pass the ball, can run with the ball. Tick. You know, one of our greatest centre-halves was Sol Campbell. He already can do more than Sol Campbell from a football attributes point of view. Whether he'll have the same career is to be debated. He's 22 years of age. He can do more. He's more comfortable on the ball. He's just as dominant in one-on-ones. And he can pass the ball over distance and short distances. So... We've got something on our hands, right? And we said last night in the Instant Reaction pod that we may have spent $20 million over on um, Pepe from Lille, but I think we've got $20 million cheaper value than for Gabriel, because if we pay $50 million quid for him, it would be about right, wouldn't it? It would be about right, and we got him for mid-20s. So, fantastic player. You don't need to analyse him. Just how do you feel when he goes to one-on-ones? How do you feel when the ball goes forward? How do you feel? It's it's just like the most simplest thing in football. When you see it, you know it's right. Move on. Let's talk, let's look at the other issues in the team. Yeah, well, let's look at them then. I think um, that concludes our positivity segment of the podcast. No, I, it does not. Okay. No. All right, Paul, you've got to free swim one additional positivity segment in this podcast. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm giving it to you. Go. Okay, fire well, away. Not- Have fun. Be my Be my guest. I'm not going to use it right now, but I, I, what I would, uh, I did have a question. So, Clive, it pushes David Luiz to the right, yeah, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know, Arteta has been very, I'd say, consistent on wanting to get right-sided, correct-sided uh, players on the correct side, and this yeah. does push Luiz to the right. And he, he didn't have a huge role in. Uh, the build-up to our second goal, but it was significant to me. He played from the right, 
and and quite a nice curling ball out to the wing. I think it was to uh, Pepe, or I'm not sure who gets the first pass, Pepe or Bellerin, maybe maybe Bellerin. Um, and it just looked kind of right. And I, I might be just projecting a little too much, well, but uh, two games now, Luis has played to the right, and I've kind of liked it. And why why would it help him to play on the left with his left foot? Yeah, he, Luis is, is a righty who, who's played most of his career on the left. There was an interview when Pablo Marie was just breaking into the team when Luis spoke about moving over to the right. He, really well, he just depressed me, reminding Pablo Marie's in the yeah. team. No, trust me. You again. You're wrong on that one. Yeah, you're wrong. I'll make you a side bet. We don't have to do it on mic. I am not wrong about that one. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Right. So um, I do love nailing my colors to the mast. (laughs) The David Luiz and Saliba Mustafi for me were going to be our right centre backs, and we've got two left centre backs. Right, and we also got the hybrid players in Kalashnik and Tierney who do that role in the back three. So to me, that was always going to happen, and I think what we're seeing now are our our best two centre backs. Simple as that, and um, mm-hmm. they and they're both Brazilian. Pull, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and and it looks right, and again it looks right. And okay, Louise. The issue with Louise is sometimes he gets isolated. He goes and ghosts and does jobs he didn't have to go and do. Finds himself in areas where he's not concentrated. He's not standing the right side, yeah. and ends up in sprints and, and big dramatic moments. That's when he pulls shirts, pulls arms, and gets sent off. He needs to make keep bodies around him much. He needs to work harder to keep bodies around him, so he's not in isolated situations. So he can go and do stuff while not leaving himself in a vulnerable position. So, and Partey would tend to be a little more to his side if he plays right, as I think he eventually yeah, will. Yeah, I think he will. And I was looking at. I know. I hope we could talk about creativity later later on. But I don't see how you can avoid it. <laughs> I'm hoping after seeing Party play that role. It depends what we do on the right side or the left side. Are we going to drop Shaka into the left side to make the you know, like he did when we did the old four-two-three-one? He became the left back and distributed from deep, which means Party's left in the middle on his own, and a Sabias maybe to the right of him. Do you know what I mean? And I, mm. it's, it depends how we how we shape up. There's so many different options we can do to create a shape. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping. Well, I'm hoping Party plays from the right side in the mid because that's what I've studied. But who knows, right? Last night we saw something different, didn't we? So let's see how it develops. Well, all right. So then I, I think we – can we now set the positive section aside? My God, it's gone on a whole 17 minutes. I can barely can barely breathe. I'm bursting with all of the things to complain Wish about. Wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. Ah, but that's where all the breeze blows in your hair. It's how you live. It's how you get all the adrenaline pumping. I'm kidding. Look, I don't want to go – I don't want to go too heavy on negativity, but I think – this issue about creating chances, about putting teams under pressure, about pushing them back, about pulling them apart and opening them up, like these issues persist. And what we are learning about Arteta is there is a plan A at Arsenal, and we're going to use it in every game and every competition. We're going to do it until we get it right is sort of the message. So even though it's Rapid Vienna in the Europa League, we're not farting around with 4-3-3. We're going with the back three. We're using a center forward in the left channel, right? And Kedia off the left, even though, I, I mean, he looked even more fish out of water than Aubameyang did in my mind. Now, some of that is Lacazette just really seems to have lost whatever it is that he had at some point in his career. We'll get to that. But, Paul, I mean, in a way, the fixation on formation is a mistake because when we are attacking, in this game, we're attacking in a 2-3-5. Two central defenders at the back, Three players across the middle of the pitch, whether it's it's the two central midfielders, right? So it's El Nenny and, and Party. If we're building from the right, 
It was the right wing back. If we're building from the left, it was the left wing back in the middle three. And the rest were in five channels in the attack. And that's, Clive's talked about it, five channels in attack, five channels in defense. That's how we do it. The thing is, in this back three, it means we have one less naturally attacking wide player and we are supplementing it with an extra striker. And it, it all sort of falls apart for me, um, you know, watching how that works. I I am curious to get your feeling here. Now, I'm, look, I think we all have to agree. Our inability to push Rapid Vienna back in dangerous ways, pull them apart, get them into dangerous positions. I mean, you sh- you should be battering a team like this. That, that and it's easy to say that, but you know we we are t- we are the team we are eight ten shots a game. That's that's sort of our ceiling right now. What do you think? What do you think is at play here? Like in this game, was the issue individual talent levels? Players players like Cedric, players like Lacazette, players who you know couldn't really get it done, or is this system something that he has to tweak to find ways to, to create more pressure? Um, so it's a journey. Uh, it's a question where, of Where patience. are we on that journey? Because I'd like to get yeah, to yeah. the end of the journey. Not, not as <laughs> far along as I wanted to be, mm-hmm. but I think uh, when you, if you understood spaces and progression and team understanding of how they're playing, which I don't really, but I get a kind of a sense of where we're going. Um, I think this was actually a really interesting game. I mean, it was a not a, an interesting game, and yet an interesting game when you go look at it. Um, Arteta was interviewed, I don't know if it was, I think it was after this game, and the interviewer says, uh, so you set up with a four at the back, to your point about if formation's not mattering, and he says, no, 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 I didn't set up with a four. You know, he kind of... There was a, a kind of slightly irritated smile on his face uh, because he thought formation was actually important. It does matter how we're setting up. We were playing with a five that turned turns into a four and then back to a five, depending on situations. And that's critical to what Arteta is doing. This knowing where you're at in a game, like we, we got done on the counter by City, I think because we had too many people ahead of the ball and they didn't switch on um, <clears throat> and left only Sabayas screening our, our defense. And that's a progression that needs to come. So um, I still think the squeezing the, the toothpaste up the tube is apropos because um, both in terms of how we play, we work uh, our ability to earn our position on the pitch is a function of how good we play out of the back. Uh, this game's interesting because we all know uh, Leno screwed up two or three times. It's one thing to screw up on the goal, but he screwed up a couple of times after that as well, where he was kind of a bit rattled. We've seen that with other teams, including Liverpool and City at times, especially if if it's not a very... If the focus isn't there because it's not a big game, it might be more likely, not less likely to happen. I think because this was Rapid Vienna, because it was the Europa League, different players in front of you, less intense, maybe this was the game you screw up in. And it's really important how the team responds. And as Arteta talked about, the players supporting Leno after we scored the first and second goal, incorporating Leno into that and Arteta talking about how that was specifically what he was looking for. Uh, It depends on how you look at this game. It's either a very poor, dull game that's not interesting or it's a very uh, forensically interesting game in terms of what we're trying to do and why. Mm. I don't disagree with you that we're not where we 
want to be or maybe even should be. But, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of people and a lot of people who know their football pretty frustrated about where we are and our direction of travel and our direction of speed. I, I don't quite share that at the moment. I kind of see what we're trying to do. Um, I see our issues up front creatively. We had a good, it's a bit like the Sheffield United game. We had a good five or ten minutes where we lit it up and you could see how this to, all to should be fair, work. Not in this system. Uh, it, no, I don't. We buy switched that. to the four-three-three with Aubameyang central and the wingers on either side. That was when we scored the goals against Sheffield United. So I mean, that, that is debatable. That is that not is debatable. Just, we literally it did is, it. Yeah, that is, <laughs> even, very debatable. How is it very debatable? debatable. Aubameyang is always central when we when we move things when, when forward. Yeah, <laughs> when we get the ball, when we progress. At best, he's inside phase. left. At best, he's in, in the five channels. He's not in the center channel when we are in possession and attack. Sometimes in counterattacks, he'll run central and make make an out-to-in run. But in possession— This, this wasn't a counterattack, though. No, no, no. Yeah, and he scored in the center of the box. It, it, there's a lot of time during that 10-minute spell when we had our mojo, when we were getting on top of them, when people were in spaces, when we were anticipating, when we were playing as a team forward. And you see the team rotate up— and Aubameyang towards the center. That's that's the pl- the problem is. I mean, Paul, are you, are you going to tell me that that I mean, not to be argumentative, but just like, do you really believe that Aubameyang has not been playing from the left? That he's not running the left touch line? That he's not often out in the wide spaces with a player inside of him? That he's not dropping back and defending the fullback? Like, I, I know what I see. He is playing that's a from symptom, the left. Not a cause. If he's on the left, it's because he's not playing the role Lacazette is or Enkedia is or William was against City. He's not the central striker. He's not playing that role. When the plan is is coming to fruition, it's because we're playing out from the back, we have possession, mm. and his position rotates towards the center, and we end up with two strikers. That's that's the end result of us with our spacings, our timings, everybody I, I on the same page. I agree in transition that, yes, that he flows from the outside, from the wide space or half you space into the You can call it transition, but... But it can also be we're in possession on the right, which is what happened with the Bellerin triangles with Pepe uh, okay. coming up Great that point. way for the gold. Uh, Aubameyang moves to the center to pick up the ball. I think when we build from the right, Aubameyang drifts into the center, and that's that's how he loses his marker. And maybe the reason we see so little of it is we just build from the left so damn exactly. much. We're, that- we're nowhere near where we need to be for Aubameyang to be paying off the way Arteta wants him to. Well, I don't want to make this necessarily just about Aubameyang. I do want to make it more about the system, Clive, but but certainly weigh on this because I, kn- I know you don't agree with me, which is, you know, newsflash. But uh, tell me tell me your view here, and then we can— because uh, I, I Aubameyang only played for a small portion of this game, and so he's not the story, but the system, in my view, is the story and and how, how we get more— creative and, and probing, probative attacks out of it. Yeah, so the system, how people see the system, it, is, uh, is debatable, right? I don't think people, not everyone understands what we're trying to do. I'll be honest with you. And, and what then, they I do, do. They, what, what they do, and, and, and I do it, but I try to pin it back, is that we have an ideal of what we think we should be doing and how we should be playing and what players should be in certain slots and where they should be and who should be selected. We all carry that. You heard me say it before. We walk into a room with our own luggage. And when we don't see the players that we like in the positions, particularly when they're in form, and then we say, and then we see the people who are in those positions who are completely out of form. And then we see an addition of a, a, 
unbelievable centre midfielder playing line-breaking passes. We feel more comfortable about our centre-backs, so we want to get more people higher at the pitch. We are now all emotionally forcing the next phase. We're forcing it. We're forcing it without understanding what the manager is trying to achieve at this phase of his rebuilding um, project, per se. And so I said a tweet last night, I said, I think it's time for Bamyang to play centre-forward against teams that are not good enough to stop him. It's the right time to do it, more or less. And and I felt that for the first time, really, uh, it's been creeping in my mind. But I really feel it now because I think he's good enough to hold play. I think he's good enough to arrive. I think he's more rounded player than he was two years ago. I think he offers a lot more than other players in that role. In fact, the only one that offers us next one in that role for me is, is Eddie, because I think he offers enough energy, commitment, pressing, that allows Aubameyang to, to look around and see the trauma and take the bits and pieces out of there and go and do his thing. I don't think Lacazette is physical enough. I don't think he's intense enough. I don't think he offers enough of any attribute which makes him super elite anymore. You know, he's a hard-working guy. I don't think he protects the ball. I don't think he threatens backline. I don't think he runs the channels. I think he's just a decent pivot centre-forward, and I don't think we get enough value for him at the moment. No, no massive criticism. It's just, it's just football. He's well, just, he's just moving. Why not it. massive criticism? Like, well, <laughs> I, mean, I think any reason, any particular talk, reason not to do that at this point? <laughs> well, we, you know, he does have bright moments, right? So I'm not going to completely write him off. Just I felt for a while, he sh- we, there's an upgrade opportunity there. It doesn't mean he can't be useful for us a football club. Do you know what I mean? So there's just an upgrade that's screaming at you. Uh, but what, what will happen is when enough. When Martinelli comes back and when we feel that there are players around that are really being impactful in the wide areas, then I think things will just sort themselves out. Now, the whole creativity thing, I don't know if you, am I okay to go on to that? Yeah, yeah, then, fire, fire away. Because uh, I, I don't want to put, just real quick, since you had sort of a natural stopping point there, I just want to weigh in just to, for a second. Mm-hmm. It is not my goal to make my perspective the dominant perspective of this podcast. And I'm oh, not well, saying when the I say way that, I, it's not just you. It's no, 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 people. I know. We all, we all I, do it. We all do it. I, I I may be wrong. I do feel that the system that Arteta has kind of hitched his wagon to is struggling to consistently create enough chances. Because because the funny thing is, this game is a great example. I don't think we played terribly, but Leno made a howler and they got a goal. That doesn't hurt you if you if you're three three nil up or two nil up or battering them. Now the irony is it wound up not hurting us because we did win two one. So what do I know? But but it's the point that like you're you're asking your team to be perfect. If you want to win games with eight chances, you know what I mean? Your team has to be perfect. You got to be real tight at the back and give up nothing and take that one chance when it comes. And that's the only, I think, I think it is, it is a, a, a really high variance way of playing because like on the day when you're not quite perfect and you have eight chances, you don't score the one good one you create and they do score the one they did, which is what happened against Man City, for example. In this game, we created basically two things and we, we scored them. So, and and one of them is you know is a header from a free kick, which is which is not even really a high quality chance. So Clive, I'll let you finish on creativity, but I think I do think that there is a come to Jesus moment with this where the manager is going to have to decide that to get the goals we need for top four, to get the to to get the results we need, we have to create more threat. And I just wonder if the system he's using can generate the level of threat that I feel is needed to win enough games consistently. So is it a creativity issue? Is it, is it a utilization of, of players issue? Is it just a simple fact of talent? It's probably, it's probably all of the above, but I'm, I'm a, the goal we scored, the second goal we scored, how did it happen? 
right? All it was was a simple little dribble from Pepe into Meza El Nene, right? Who did a little chop to the right, and Bellerin saw the movement to the right in an in out to run from the side. Easy pass, the only pass you can make because Bellerin's made a committed run. Pass through the lines, side foot, goal. What a great move. What a great move. What triggered that move? It's the creative running of Bellerin, the aggressive, the aggressive intent to get inside. Now, El Nenny, a steady passer, a sideways passer, could have to make that pass. He had to. You've heard me talk about creative movement. If you walk away from this game, I said it on the last game, but I gave him a bit more of a pass because it was Man City. It's all about your aggression and your aggressive movement. And when when Aubameyang came on, I don't, I felt he's been a bit flat recently. But didn't he move well in this game? Didn't he just yeah. flow well? He yeah. just moved. He looked like he's back. He was just skipping across the grass again. He looked happier. When you see good movement, it all becomes it all becomes apparent. I think our movement's been terrible. I think it's been passive. I think we've been marking ourselves. I don't think we've been aggressive enough. That's step one. Step two, yeah, maybe we could do another ball-playing player. I personally, we talk about creativity. Now, you can do it one or two ways. You can have, you can do the central area. You can have a, like a pivot centre forward, quite creative, like a Firmino, have goal scores on the outside and have goal score and the creative fullbacks. You can have number eights like City do. I, I personally, I, I, have a le- I have a liking and I, I would like my wingers to roll in like Pepe does, be creative from those higher areas. I'd like somebody similar to him on the left-hand side, a right-footed Pepe per se, who can take the ball, attract people, and and attract people away from our killer centre forward. I would have two Pepe-style players in wide areas. I'd underpin them with connectors, number eight, and I would solidify them with good progressive fullbacks and a deep pivot. That's what I would like. You know, that's what I like. I'm happy with double pivot. I'm happy with four, two, three, one, number ten in behind. Long as you've got that jeopardy on the outside. Pepe type, a Zaha type. I'm not saying that player, but you see where I'm going in my mind. Creativity comes in different forms. I like to have two or three creators rather than one creator standing there like a Mesut Ozil because he becomes the system. And I don't like that, like a team system when three or four players have that collective responsibility. So when we talk about creativity, let's all, let's all agree we have different views on what that actually means. You know, let's all agree on that. Let's just see what's developing before we force it onto imagine and criticise him for not quite getting there quick as we would like him. Mm. I, I feel those emotions. I really do. I'm prepared to see how he wants to do it and how he's going to sure. maximise it. And all I would say, and, and Paul, I want you to come back here, but like, first of all, he didn't just get here yesterday. I'm not saying he's the finished project yet. I'm not saying the team's the finished project. And I'm not even saying criticise him. I think... We've just, seen just, enough of... just no, noticing stuff. Well, yeah, we, we're at a point with him where I think we can say, okay, persistently creating chances is a shortcoming of the way we are playing under Arteta at the moment, that it it is a shortcoming that is born out of adding a structure and a solidity and a, and a, a foundation that makes us a, a harder team to play against. I grant that, and I don't think the balance is right. And Paul... I mean, there, there are a couple things. First of all, we don't press, which I think is interesting because, you know, you talk about Liverpool using Firmino. One of the reasons Liverpool don't don't need a central creator in the way City does, and City Press also, they have both, but, like, they turn you over 
And it's in those turnovers where players are out of position already that the space is very evident and you get killed. When we play Liverpool, they start their possessions in our final third. Look at their starting touch position when they get the ball. It's like on the edge of our final third. Well, when you're getting the ball there to start, you don't have to progress the ball. You're one pass away from being in. We don't do that. And we don't have a create. This is not Arteta's fault. We don't have players that really pull the strings, that really play the killer ball, that can really pick you apart. So if we're not going, to, I mean, Saka, I think, and Pepe should have some of that. But setting that aside, if we're not going to press and we don't have those creators, I do struggle to see how we how we create more threat. It's not just chances. Can I, can I be clear about one thing? It's not just chances, because I think we've zeroed in on chances. I do think it is threat. And I mean, how often do you see us causing that sort of panic or reactivity in opposing defenses? I don't think enough. So, Paul, I mean, is, is it system? Is it player? How? Or am I wrong? Are we fine? Is the balance okay? I mean, I, no, I no. don't think so. No, but. I think you're right. I think it's... Uh, look, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I just don't think we're quite there yet in terms of Arteta's system. I don't think we're at the point where he thinks he's had a chance to prove you, us, wrong in terms of creativity. Um, we lack an Awar or a creative player like that. I think it's projecting too much onto Saka and asking too much onto, of Saka for him to do it. I don't think it's too much to ask of Pepe. But unfortunately, we're not there yet in terms of integrating Pepe into the collective. But you look at that second goal, uh, you know, we get, we give a lot of credit to Hector and to, um, what's his face, uh, Mohamed Elneny. But look at what Pepe does to create the goal. First, he he's the guy who gets that ball over the top that's going out of play, that he scrambles back into play, puts a dangerous cross into the six-yard box. Then it's knocked out. He dribbles, gets a foul. Um, that gets us the goal for David Luiz. He's the guy who puts in that curling cross that nobody else could have got their head on because of where that swerving call ball into Luis. And then you look on the second goal. He's the guy who makes the run across and into the box, as kind of Clive was outlaying there. He he actually makes that gap. Hector's run's pretty simple at the end of the day, and his cross. It's like. Even Cedric could have done that if he if he'd been mm. right-minded. It was mm. no, no. It wasn't a skill issue. It was like know to make the run, keep the cross simple. It's actually a it's it's actually nobody does anything brilliant. Even uh, El Neni doesn't do anything brilliant. Brilliant as Clive kind of lays out the balls there to be played. It's the guys having a collective understanding of what we're doing at that point in the game the well and the fact that you're playing rapid vienna too doesn't hurt i mean you know sure there's, sure there's some basic positioning errors there as well yeah but uh, but what i think is key in that particular section of play is what i talked about recently which is uh you see it with liverpool and with city they work triangles uh off the the corners of that back line that they're mm -hmm. attacking. Yes. And that's what we did there. It wasn't anything brilliant. It was just doing it and knowing to do it. The ball from Luis up to, I think it's... Paul, we did, we did it against City for the Saka chance on the left. I love yeah. that. It's the same kind of movement, the same yep. kind of interactivity. I, I The funny thing is what you're describing, those, those triangles on the edge of the area and the half space and the channels, I love that. I think that's yeah. been... Deficient. That should be Pepe and Bellerin, and that's us getting further up the pitch. Mm -hmm. We should have that with Saka 
and with, say, Ceballos on the left-hand side and with uh, Bellerin and Pepe on the right-hand side, you know, coming through the middle with, me- or not that Mesodos will necessarily play through the middle, but coming through the middle of teams these days is a very hard thing to do. Zone mm. 14 or whatever it's called. 17? It's, you can get that creativity on both sides with the players we have, not to the levels we'll want it in a year's time, but as we push the toothpaste up the tube, as we establish ourselves further up the pitch in terms of our game, playing out from the back, Thomas Partey giving us a screen, other that allowing us have, switching from two players in a pivot to one and a half players in a pivot and somebody else moving forward, Sabias or even Chaka, who I think looked pretty good, pretty good at times in the last game, pushing forward a little bit. I think there's more life in Chaka than we give him credit for, but that's another topic mm. we'll come back to. Um, that's where you get it. Those, off the edges of their back line, playing tri- triangles, automatisms, synchronicity, cohesion. blah, blah. Yeah. It's cohesion. Yep. That's what we're lacking. We're lacking consistent cohesion over a longer period of time. Yeah. And it's there in small patches. If you want to look at a game, what I think the, from an offensive point of view, where I was really, really pleased was probably Leicester at home. Remember the game when Eddie went out at 10 men? And I thought we were so aggressive offensively. And if you rewatch that game, you'll see, I think, the ideal Arteta mm. sort of offensive shape. We didn't win that game because we blew it, but that's what we're aiming for, I think. Well, And, you, and we, you're right, Elliot, on the pressing, but it, interestingly, the 10 minutes we don't around really have the when we for scored that the two, yeah. yeah, but the 10 minutes around the two goals we scored are the 10 minutes where we aggressively press them. We had to, right? We had to yeah. force the game. But Yeah. Well, Clive, you referenced those those small patches that we don't really notice. And um, speaking of small patches that you don't really notice, let's get you clean in your private area. We're going to take a break to tell you about Manscaped. We'll come back right after this. Stay with us. Look, just because something's awkward to talk about doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. So we're going to talk about shaving your privates. And Manscaped is going to help take care of you taking care of your privates. They are a line of world-class men's below-the-waist grooming products. And right now I want to talk about the Lawnmower 3.0. Make this a Christmas gift for yourself which becomes a gift for your partner. Make it a gift for your partner, which sends a message the right way. Or just give it to yourself for yourself because you love yourself and loving yourself is important. You know what doesn't say I love myself? Using an old razor in the shower and then nicking yourself up and having all kinds of cuts and abrasions and pain. That's no good. It also doesn't say you love yourself if you don't keep yourself trimmed and clean. Right? Trimmed and clean. You feel fresh. You feel better. These are hard times. Make yourself feel a little better about yourself. Now, why the Lawnmower 3.0? It's got a phenomenal long battery life. So you don't have to worry about it running out of battery. It's got a great charging stand. I just leave mine in the shower, though, because it's waterproof. So that's perfect. It's always in there when I need it. It's got a light so I can see what I'm doing. And with a ceramic blade and 7,000 RPM motor, you get no trimming incidents, accidents, injuries. Avoid that. Look great. Feel great. Take care of something that you should take care of. And just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it isn't important. So go there. Manscaped.com manscaped.com please use the promo code arsenalvision because that'll save you 20% and give you free shipping manscaped.com promo code arsenalvision you'll get 20% off and free shipping go there now get your lawnmower 3.0 and take care of yourself be good to yourself do it now all right we're back and we hope that was educational informative and helpful for you uh, i know it was for me now i want to get to some of the the players that maybe escaped the spotlight and are thankful to escape the spotlight at times or players that maybe need the spotlight shined on them um, Cedric, obviously, like, I don't think we need to have a Cedric section. Uh, 
I planted my flag on this one early. I think it's going the way we kind of suspected. Having a Cedric section feels like piling on. I don't think he's quite good enough. And I think it goes without saying that he's distantly third choice behind Bellerin and Maitland-Niles. And uh, you know you're not doing great at right wing back when you're losing a game and the swap is a like for like wing back for wing back swap. Like that's basically saying we don't need to change anything. You're just not getting it done. And then the guy who comes on for you does get it done. Um, you know, and, and it is what it is. I mean, I, it doesn't mean Cedric can't play football. I, ju- I just think there's a worry about him. But I do think Mohamed Elneny is an interesting one that maybe we can talk about a little bit. Because while Cedric isn't in the plan, Clive, Mohamed Elneny may be in the plan a bit. Um, we have Shaka, we have Ceballos, we have Party, and we have Elneny. Um, those are really the, the players that are in line for what I would say is any any significant, relevant central midfield time. The thing that's interesting for me is I think we know Party's going to play a lot, and I think Ceballos is going to play a lot too. We've seen Arteta being willing now to move away from Shaka in ways that he wasn't in the past. We've seen him leave El Nenian and take Shaka off in the past, which was something that I never would have thought possible. He is a player who has come back and looks like, a little bit like he always did, safe, you know, keeps it, moves it, doesn't really progress it. But in this game, we started to see a little more progression, a little more adventurousness again maybe this is the level for him where do you see El Nenny in the pecking order and are you seeing things from him that are different from maybe the player you remember before he went away no I, I've never I've never been one to sort of smash El Nenny I think I've been pretty consistent there I just think sometimes when Shaka and El Nenny play together and we lack a bit of confidence we all we all know the horseshoe that comes out we none of us like that and so he gets damned with faint praise when that happens right so so yeah he has limits he has limits because he's not a sprinter he's a metronomic player but he understands the game he understands he's a sort of player that other players will like he's always available to get you out of trouble and he keeps the ball popping and moving does lots of little wall passes shuffles it over to the left i'll be there for you get get between the lines can we just give me a little touch there you sometimes want to be a bit more progressive and i think that's happened but number one thing about him is, is i think he's very coachable I think he does exactly what the coach wants him to do. And there's a period in this game when, and this is the reason why I think Cedric got taken off, sometimes the game shows you something that you need to go and get. I think Arteta was saying to Cedric, get up there, because that's where the game is, up on the right-hand side. You get up there. I don't think he got up there enough. I don't think he was high enough. Bellerin lives up there, right? You don't want anywhere near his own box. Let's get up there. He has 20 minutes being a high position. Everyone thinks he's world-class. Well, he just does what the coach needed him to do. And, and that's what El Nenny does. And that's why I think he's here. That's why I don't think Gwendizi is here. That's why I don't think Torreira is here. One, because their attributes are not quite as simplistic. And two, I don't think their coach can control them. I think Torreira goes chasing the ball, goes fishing, wants to smash people, can't be fixed around, can't be pivoted around. And Gwendizi, similar to Ozil, is an individualist, wants to just touch and feel the ball and feel himself. Those players ain't going to survive in a, with a coach who basically says the system is everything and being a team person is everything. And that's something that he can sustain week on week, month on month, year on year. People that stand outside of that, not going to happen. El Nenny, whether you think about him, and we can all debate his talent, his ceiling, etc. He's a team guy, isn't he? He's a team guy. He'll go and carry water for you. He'll He'll dig in. He'll make passes. He'll do whatever he can on that day. And it's not very often you come off the pitch thinking he could do any more. Whether that's enough for you, that's that's fine, you know. 
but he's a he's a six and a half, seven out of ten every single week, and a great squad player for the club. Is he in all our first 11s? Well, nope. But when he plays, we do all right. We look quite, we look okay. You know, when he plays, we do we do things on our right hand side. So I don't want to overpraise him, but I hope, I've never disliked him. And that sort of player is fine by me. You know, they're not the they're not the issues, right? No. Mm. Guy wearing number nine is an issue. Yeah, all right. For me. You know I mean? You've touched on him. I, I want to. I want to dig him out a little more. I'm, I'm kidding. I want to analyze a little more. Is what I meant. I just did the word. Got the words wrong. Um, Paul, the the Lacazette situation is troubling because I mean, let's not forget. Like Lacazette isn't Eddie Nketiah. He's not some plucky academy kid that can be in the squad. I mean, fifty million pounds was supposed to be our striker until Aubameyang showed up. Like, um. You know, on a pretty hefty wage, a guy who at times in his career has been a prolific goal scorer. It's not just that he's not scoring. Well, the irony is he has scored some goals this season. Uh, it's the all-around play. And there was the one moment where he's played him behind. I mean, when I say played him behind, he was like seven, ten yards clear of any player. Not only could not fact uh, um, uh, for, create a shot opportunity for himself, he couldn't slide the ball seven yards in the green grass for Aubameyang to run onto. And... I, I don't like just going to confidence. Confidence is a bad explanation for things that usually have a better explanation. But, like, I can't believe he's this bad at football. But maybe, you know, when Clive and I talked about this, we, we all talked about this on the Instant Reaction Pod, like, maybe some players the cliff comes for at 35 and some players it comes for at 28. And, like, maybe this is a player who's just, I hate to use an overused word, washed, who has, who has hit the point of his career where he can't move around as much, the... He just athletically can't do what he's used to doing, but it feels like such a precipitous drop-off. So where are you on Lacazette in terms of just his, his sort of usability at this point? And, and I get it. Our center forward is more facilitator than scorer, but I don't see Lacazette nearly as the elite facilitator. You know, he's not Firmino. He couldn't slide at seven yards to Aubameyang in clear green grass. He's not Firmino, and he's he's not posing enough threat. So how how worried are you about what we can actually get from Lacazette based on on how he looks right now so like i i don't i think he's i think he's a very he's always been a very good and very technical footballer um and this is difficult for me because i don't like doing this to him but i'm going to pull on my alter ego who's an absolute bastard who's going to say some mean stuff i'm your (laughs) alter ego (laughs) (laughs) no no i have an alter alter ego great um so, like, if you're going to play the false nine, that was probably the moment in which you false nined it over to Aubameyang, who is in wide open space. Now, I've sympathy for him because, hey, you're in that great a position. You should take you should take on the keeper and you should finish it. On the other hand, if you're not going to do that, Aubameyang was wide open. So that was the time to false nine it over to Aubameyang. But he was actually in a great straight up nine position and he went for it and he screwed it up. I kind of hoping Aubameyang, I mean, the best buddies and all, but maybe Aubameyang gets pissed off at that point, not having been fed the ball and storms into Arteta's office on uh, Friday morning and says, all right, that's enough of that shit. I know he's my best buddy, but I want the central berth. I want the sent forward spot. I've never said it to you before, Arteta, because he's my best bud, but the fucker didn't pass to me. So give me the job. Um, his his athletic powers have never been his strong point. So him falling off five percent, like when I look at him, I I think there are times when I think, man, he just 
he doesn't have anything that separates himself physically from the other guys. I still think he's pretty fit and he's fairly quick and he's fairly he looks all right when I look at him, but he just doesn't create any separation to other players. Eddie creates more separation. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Calvert Lewin physically oh, well, and speed wise, just phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, but but a year ago we weren't. Uh, some were talking about it, Clive, but we weren't all talking about it. Um. Now he's kind of found it. His he's got his eye in, but he can create a physical separation. I don't necessarily think maybe he's not the world's greatest player, but he's always had that ability to create a physical separation. And and Lacazette almost ends up undoing a physical separation. Uh, if he's half away from a guy, he'll get somehow he gets sucked back in, and it's. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the, for me, it's the strongest case for it to be moving Aubameyang to the center. I don't think it's something we have to do tactically. Uh, but, but you know, we have one of the world's best strikers. It's kind of, there is a kind of a logic that says you could always play him centrally. We have other good wide players. Um, Lacazette kind of underperforming, I think, in particular in terms of fen- physicality and intensity if if i'm a defensive line and i know i'm playing against lacazette i'm not scared if i'm a defensive line and i know i'm playing against obama yang pepe and saka and they're in form or martinelli on one you know players with threat like now i'm coming up for plans with how to neutralize obama yang how to what to do to stop saka what to do to make sure pepe has a quiet game if you're putting Lacazette up against me, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we'll work it. We'll plan for how he plays, but he doesn't scare us. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think it is difficult right now for anyone that's playing that center forward position in this system because it is an unusual approach to that position, I think. You know, I, I am a believer that Lacazette is a penalty box striker. He's a guy who wants one touch to get out of his feet and bash it at goal. Now, the problem with him at this point in his career is he needs three touches to get out of his feet and bash it at goal. He's a penalty box striker. That's who he, that's who he is to me because he doesn't have the, the range and the movement um, you know, the, or the athleticism to really cover enough ground to be a false nine, in my view, you know, or drop in midfield. Now, I know he has played deeper at times, and he's looked okay doing it, but I don't think he's a plus passer either. So I, I don't know exactly what he's adding, but you know, it then begs the question because Clive, towards the end of the game, we brought Joe Willick in at false nine. And it looked a hell of a lot to me like Willick was just given the Willian role from the City game. It's clearly something that that Arteta sees. That this player, the player that plays the central position in the front line, is the third midfielder, is the attacking midfielder, is the link between attack and defense. And I, I get what, what he wants. He wants what you're describing, which is the uh, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah running off the shoulders, you know, and, and the, the central player dropping deep, pulling a defender with him and creating space. It doesn't really seem to happen that way. You know, that, that doesn't seem to be the patterns, but it seems pretty clear that's what he wants because he brings Willick in as a false nine. So, like, do we just need to stop once and for all thinking of the central position in the front line as the striker? Because Arteta maybe just doesn't see that position that way. I mean, is that is that really what it boils down to? Yeah, and, and a lot of you look around a lot of the top teams in Europe, and their best scorers are coming from the sides. And it's been something that's you know we've grown up with centre fours being your man, 
but maybe that's not always the case. And Thierry Henry, where did he do most of his damage? He wasn't a centre forward, was it? Right, but we had Dennis. Who, who, had what, Dennis what center forwards are good pivot. right now? Are there center? Are there like number nine scoring back? I mean, Calvert Lewin would be a good. Well, example. you got people like Le- Lewandowski, right? Mm. That's a stick on center forward, and he he's somebody that has got the ability to pin people, but then turn around, and get into the box as well, and he has lots of distraction running. And by the way, he's got two amazing wingers on either side. Holland, maybe. Basically, basically, yeah. Holland's not bad as the lone center forward. Um, so yeah, it, it is down to football what's happening and how p- things are being created. The way we've grown up is not the way the game is being played today. It is changing the way we, people taking six passes in their penalty area before it comes out. I mean that's just crazy, right? We would we didn't grow up like that, and that's the norm. And the benefits are there to be seen, and also the the things that go against you are there to be seen. The negatives. So I, I, I'm like I say, I'm okay. I think Abamyang is more of an all-round player. I think he really suits his team as a centre forward, and I wouldn't mind him out on the left if the guy at playing centre forward is absolutely killing it. But he's not. He's not killing it. And but when in the cup final games, the semi-final games, we were better in that situation. It was working. It's all about how we move up the pitch and. If we're talking about the things that concern me more than anything is not so much our creativity, but maybe our intention. But what we haven't fixed yet, Elliot, and I, I, I want you guys to tell me, especially the data guys, when we have big numbers of possession, I feel we lose something. I think we gain something in the fight, in the battle, in a two-way game. But when we're in control, I think psychologically we haven't quite made that step. No, I, I told – all right, Clive, I think you are spot on. And I think this is sort of the problem. We are a team yeah. with a system and an approach that does actually work really well when we don't have the ball. It works countering from deep, building building from the back, drawing the team onto us to press us, and then going beyond them. Uh, now, ironically, in this game, when they pressed us, we just kind of fucked it up and gave up a goal. But, like um, – but I think that is a problem because there are you are just going to come up against teams that won't let you play that way, that will give you the ball and let you have it. And and we it's incumbent upon us to be able to to find a way to create chances from those yeah. kinds of situations. And we haven't gotten to that point yet. I l- let me ask well, you this. Well, yeah. Can I just say one yeah, last please. thing? I used to moan consistently about us not having enough two way players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've now got some two way players. We really have. We're developing a way in a way where we're building around the transition. But the team we used to be, when teams used to just not play us because we were too good in the ball and just sit in, and we're not very good at that anymore. We haven't done that for a long time because we haven't controlled the center of the pitch for a long time. Have you noticed something, no, by we, the way? We, we wound up doing some horseshoe passing in this game, but instead of the horseshoe being around the edge of the box, it was around like the edge of the final third, like going through that <laughs> midfield trio, you know, between El Neni and Party and... Um, Colasinac or Elneny and Party and, yeah. and, so, and uh, Cedric, you know, just sort of horseshoeing back and forth. I think I think I heard Adrian Clark say this. It's a brilliant. This is where data is excellent. He said something like, Arsenal spend 32% of their possession in their sort of own back third. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and that tells you, you know, my theory about us moving forward will give us eventually, give us offensive control. We are playing away from our goal. So far away from our goal, consistently more than any other team in the league, I believe. So that's is that really where we all want to be? Not so sure. We're doing this and still got the fourth best defense in Arteta come along. So there are promising building blocks here, 
But now we've got to get the next block. And I think we're all waiting for it. We all want to see that. And it could come in different ways because we've created so many defensive shapes. I can't hold my hand up and say, how are we going to build the offensive shape when we really have got more control? I do think we're going to go up the pit slightly. I do think that possession will go further forward. How it's going to develop, I'm open to it. I really am. I've I've got we've all got some ideas the quickest way to Rome, but I'm not sure what he's going to do. You know, I would like to say playing against championship opposition, it's no hardship sticking your best player up the top top. You still have to you don't have to get crazy sometimes. Un- unless you just are so top. wedded to the idea that we need to perfect the system we're using that there's more benefit yeah. to sticking with it. You know what I mean? Your best player up top. You know, get some sprinty wingers on the outside and uh, make them them championship big blokes with their big legs run backwards. See mm-hmm. how many times you can do that in five minutes and watch a Bamyang just float past you. There's nothing wrong with that. We've got the win. So we're talking about what we talk about is here is how we're going to develop offensively and creatively. And we are just not sure. But we feel the parts are there. They just need to be put into the right slots. Well, the funny thing is the one thing the data tells us is when we create chances, they're the best chances in the Premier League. We create high-quality chances. And look at Aubameyang's goal. It's a tap-in. You know, when we create them, we do that. The problem is the margins are so fine when you only create one or two a game because you got to score those and not give up anything at the other end. We do give up something at the other end. And, and Paul, I want to sort of wrap up our discussion this game to get a quick look ahead to Leicester. But um, I want to know just how concerned you are about Leno. I think of this Leno game the way I think of sort of like Giroud's Monaco game. Sometimes the game just gets away from you. And then it's like, you know, water flowing downstream. Um, He has a loose touch. It gets in his head a little bit. Suddenly he finds himself playing with the ball under pressure a little more than maybe he wants to. He's playing sweeper keeper. He gets a little over caught up with his positioning in his sweeper keeper role. And instead of just kind of calming himself down and keeping it simple for a bit, it all just started to get away from me. It reminds me of, have you seen the Target Acquired YouTube video of Fabianski in the FA Cup final against Hull? It is a classic, and I recommend you watch it. Um, You know, keepers have very little to do in games like this, and sometimes I think concentration becomes an issue. I trust that Leno is pretty good, and he has been pretty good. So I'm not going to worry about this, but... That's very off-brand. So do you want to be my brand and worry about this? Are you concerned that there are some cracks in the armor here in terms of Leno as a play-out-from-the-back, ball-at-his-feet, sweeper-keeper type of uh, goalkeeper for us? Um, I don't know. Like, I think he's pretty good at playing out from the back, but it's not natural for him. I don't... Like, I actually think Emmy had the less quick feet, less maybe technique, but more... Screw, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I'm playing out from the back. No, fuck you. Yeah, no, fuck you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Where, where, oh, yeah. So I think Leno's maybe got the quicker feet, the more natural uh, abilities for us, um, but it's not quite his temperament. So the downside was he screwed up maybe three times in this game. But, but I do think... It's a very difficult. This being the goat staked out in the clearing in the in the jungle, waiting for the tiger uh, role that he and whoever the 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 DM he's pinging it off um, play is pretty nerve wracking. And if you're just five percent off concentration wise, like Europa League, uh, Rapid Vienna, you're just not quite. You, you want to be up for the game, but sometimes you can't fake it. That could be the game where you kind of screw up a little bit. So that's what I ho- I'm hoping it was. 
on the other hand, it's a it's a great advertisement that we have a goat staked out in the middle of the clearing because this shit's great in one of two ways. It either draws people on to to overcommit to attack you in your next game uh, because, hey, we're really vulnerable at the back or they completely drop off and stop pressing you. So you have control of your final ter- your defensive third and you're basically pushing them upfield and you can be have more possession and more attacking. So. This could be a good advertisement. We're vulnerable, but we're not really. Um, the like there was one. There were a couple of moments of hope from this because if you remember the, uh, it comes after that. Let me just look at my timeline here. If you look at the moment we're all talk about the the Lacazette goal, he should have scored. How did that come about? Do we remember? Anybody remember? Because I do. I made a note of it. It's Leno pings Why don't you just it. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I will. Here for your quiz. Leno pings it to Partey <laughs> under extreme pressure, and Partey fires it back to him mm-hmm. under pressure, and they ping it around the sides, and it's Luis, I believe, over the top to uh, Lacazette, and Lacazette could not be in more space. Mm-hmm. They could not have been pulled up further. Mm. I mean, it. If you look at it that way, in terms of us uh, playing possum, it could not have worked better. They were totally sold on the fact they were about to get Leno and Party, and we played our way through them, around them, ping over the top, and Lacazette had half a pitch to run into. The shit still works, but yeah, I was, don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, that was not the plan plan, but this is kind of how it works. Yeah, well, I think we can just about wrap this up because it, it is the Europa League. I, it is easy to take too mm. much from a game that sometimes um, maybe the players aren't as focused on as the podcasters are. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want that to be the case. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we could talk, you know, you could pull every performance out and talk about Saka and talk about Colosinac. It's just not necessary. I think we should just quickly talk Lester at the weekend and, and Clive, this is the issue. There's no let up. It's Lester. It's United. It's Villa who are, the best team in the league right now. Um, so these issues are going to continue to come up because Leicester haven't been creating a hell of a lot either. I mean, the, the irony is they did score five past um, Man City, but they are more of a defensive outfit. Out, out. I mean, in terms of how we approach this game, I think it's going to be the same way we've approached every game. The The interesting question for me is what he does with that center forward position. Willian is not available, probably because of a calf injury, I believe. Um I assume it'll be Aubameyang on the left, and I assume it'll be Pepe on the right, um, especially with William not available. The question becomes, based on Lacazette, how he looked, I, I, I have a hard time seeing him get that spot. Will it be Joe Willick in a false nine? We saw him do it for 10 minutes against Rapid Vienna. This feels like a big step up to do that against Leicester. When we played them in Project Restart and they started the game with the back three, we absolutely hammered them. It was one of our best performances for 45 minutes until Nketiah got sent off. Um, do you think he'll look at that game and just try to set us up the way he did there, except with party coming in? How do you, how do you think he'll handle that that number nine position? I, I'm guessing it won't be Aubameyang, no matter how how loud we scream. And uh, you know, do, do you think that it'll be the same system, just um, with slightly different players? Yeah, I I would play Aubameyang as centre forward in this game. I mean, I play him at centre forward every game. He's not going to do it though. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I would. I I, I definitely would. And you know. Leicester as a team, I sort of look at quite a lot. I, I I just like them as a as a team, and I like their energy. And but their back four has been changed massively. They've got um, a new right wing back who's quite good, called Casemiro. Quite good. Got Wesley Fofana who will play. Sonyoku's out, right? 
And you're yeah, out for three months. Mm-hmm. Johnny Evans is there, 106. And you've got James Justin, who's a good player. He's a right-footed left-back. Very good player, punchy player. He come from an area where I, I know his dad, and his dad recently passed away, bless him, but I know his family, etc. And um, and he's, I mean, that's why I follow his career, per se. And they've got a, a punchy, nice team. If I'm if I'm also I'm going for them and their back line because I think they're available for us. But we really gotta go for them, particularly in behind Fafana and um Kasenye, who are pacey, punchy, but go fishing for the ball, come out of their holes. So I would definitely go for them in that area and get Pepe in off that off that right hand side into Johnny Evans slot and watch him twist his socks. So I I would do that. Worry is though, every time we play Leicester, Vardy's always injured before the game. And he's always due to come back for our game. And Vardy is our sort of kryptonite. Mm-hmm. So if Vardy plays, we'll I think we'll have trouble. If he doesn't play, I think we'll win quite comfortably. And so that's that's the issue for me. But I do think we have some tough games, some tough away games. We I can't remember last time, you know, it feels like we never have a, an easy game at home. It just doesn't feel that way, you know. So um but you know, we've we've got a good record at home and, and I just think I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine in this game. I just, I'm just conscious of of Vardy, and I'm conscious that you know, for the centre forward thing, I would actually, if he's not a Bamyang, Eddie's my next choice. I do high energy, high speed, lots of energy, lots of distraction, lots of movement, and see if he can settle the back line that hasn't really played a long time together at Leicester. Yeah, I mean, um, I I do think it'll be interesting to see. Defensively, they're they're great. I mean, I think they have what third or fourth best expected goals allowed in the league, but they're they're right around mid table in terms of expected goals for. Um, now to be fair, I won't tell you where we are in that table, but it you know it it could be a cagey game. I just don't know, Paul. I mean, I I have the the memories of the Project Restart game against them echoing in my head, and it. It is so unfortunate that Nketiah got set off because we really were hammering them. And I, I know that I want Aubameyang to play center forward every game, but actually, the way he—if they play the back three, the way he ran between the wing back and the center back in that game—they couldn't live with it. So, uh, some of this will be a chess match in terms of if they go with that back three. I, I could actually see us having a lot more joy than we have had. Do you feel the same way? I mean, do you think it's just going to be the same system, and this is a case of maybe there? Their setup naturally lends itself to us being a little more effective at breaking them apart. How do you how do you foresee it going? I think this is like one of the trickiest fixtures to work out how we're supposed to play against them because we're at home, so we should be the protagonist. Sorry, easy for you to say. So, yeah, apparently. Um, on the other hand. You know, we're still better playing out from the back, but they're a dangerous team, but they are pretty good at playing out from the back, but they're away at us, so they'll tend to sit back. So it's kind of pulling us into that dangerous territory, the kind of, I think it's going to be very interesting. And then you you, use, it won't be like the last match because it's Brendan Rodgers and Mikel Arteta, and it's a bit like uh, Roger, or sorry, Arteta versus Pep. They get into their mind games and who's the cleverer uh, chess-playing coach. So it won't look like the last game. Each one of them is going to do something interesting. I don't know. I have no idea how it's going to play out uh, on the basis that I think they'll both do something we're we're surprised by. This isn't a perfect matchup for us because this kind of suits 
Leicester playing away from home against Arsenal, who haven't decided if they're a a uh, a hit them on the counter team or a possession team, but it puts the onus on us to be attacking. So this could play right into our uh, our our identity, our identity, or our where we are in our progress, because because we need to be a a pro- protagonist here. Pro- fuck me, protagonist here. And great. I don't know if we're ready. So I, no idea. It's going to be a tough one. I I think um I don't think they're going to play a back three. I don't think they've got the centre backs to do it. And mm. um, they'll go back four. But I will say now I can almost hear Jane Cavendish's words in my ears. I I do think there are Leicester do fancy themselves playing out from the back, and I do feel this is a game for us to press. Definitely a game for us to press. So I don't mind Eddie playing in this game. I really don't. But only with Pacific, you know, Pacific instructions. Let's make sure we go get them. Let's play in their half and go get them and make them go long. And then now we've got someone who can run with Vardy if he does play it. And Ian Nacho, if he plays, we've got no problems running with him. If I'm Leicester, I'm sneaking Madison to the to our right side, number 10, and get his shots off there and go and get around Louise and try to scatter his brains and stay away from Gabriel because people do watch us. They know the rules. So that's what I would do if I'm them. But, um, but make them go longer and then sweep it up that way and then playing their half. That's what I would do to win the game. Mm, okay. Well, I would leave it there. I, I think, I mean, it should be close. I would love for it to go the way it went in the first half against Leicester last time and ideally not get anyone sent off, but we will see. It's, it is it is definitely um, one of these situations right now where there are just no easy games in the Premier League and you just don't ever know what's going to happen. I, I'm excited to see Party presumably make his first start, though, in the Premier League, and I assume it'll be Shaka and Party in midfield. So, We'll see how that goes. I imagine Saka will play again, although he's played quite a bit, so maybe Maitland-Niles is in in line for a start. But I, I think if we want to go attack, we need Bellerin and you need Saka on the outside. We'll see. Um, let's leave it there. Pause on Twitter. Pause on pants. Thanks, pause. Woo-hoo. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name's Elliot Smith. Black me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. Give us five-star review right now. Things about Tim. Scott will be on in a future episode. Uh, we've got lots of good stuff over on the Patreon side if you want to join up. And one of the best things is you don't have to hear the segment in the middle where I talk about shaving my private. So something to bear in mind. As always, we love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Lester Nil.